welcome to the Palmwood Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Palmwood Church in Oviedo, Florida, where we love God extravagantly, love people with humility, and mentor others to do the same. Here's Pastor John with an introduction for this week's message. Thanks, David. Hello, everyone. Good to have you back on the Palmwood Podcast. Did you know that what you believe, especially what you really believe about God, influences everything about your life? It's true. If our faith is only academic, you know, mental ascent, it really will have very little impact on how we live, how we treat people, or how we serve one another. In the same way, our foundation of hope as believers in Jesus Christ is also critical. And this is why we've spent 16 weeks working through the basic tenets of the Apostles' Creed. Today, we finish our series, Know What You Believe, with a message about how all that we've worked our way through over the last four months should give us an unshakable foundation of hope in Jesus. That hope changes everything. Get out your Bibles, if you will, folks. Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17, as we wrap up this long four-month series on knowing what you believe. We want to talk about its outcome, which today we're talking about hope. Peter writes, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life, how many of us want to enjoy life? And see many days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from what is evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear, and if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Somebody say amen. <laughs> um. I think all of you here in the room today, and most of you watching out there online, 
at least those who know me well, you know that historically I am one um, as part of a family who does this that, that suffers from uh, clinical anxiety. Uh, thankfully, I haven't had an eruption of it in a very long time, but it's, it's, it's part of my makeup. And there was a season long ago where it wasn't just anxiety, but it also was depression, and it was very serious. Very, those were very dark days. Back in 2014 was the last time that happened, and it was really bad. Um, the reason I bring that up is not for you to say, oh, poor Pastor John, but um, because I want you to understand, as I preach this message today, I am, I'm speaking to you, I'm coming to you as one who understands what it feels like to have no hope. Um, to, to literally, quite literally, be in a hopeless state. It's a very dark thing. Um, when we talk about hope, it is amazing to me how many Christians, adult Christians, cannot actually define what that word hope means. We use the word all the time, but in American English, we actually don't use the word hope according to its actual definition. We don't realize it. It's just part of our, our language. But we say things like, we hope it doesn't rain on the 4th of July, which, by the way, here in Florida, it did all day yesterday. Um, that's, that's wishful thinking. And that's not what the word hope means. The word hope means expectation. That's why I talked to the kids this morning about that idea of expectation. Expectation that is so real that it's filled with anticipation. Just for a moment, make yourself a little kid again, like, like our little ones, and think about what you felt like before Christmas. Let's say two days, three days before the actual Christmas holiday. School has ended, and now we're home with the family, and we're getting ready for the big holiday, and, and mom's been grocery shopping for all the special foods that we're going to eat, and all the presents are now wrapped, and they're under the tree, and grandma and grandpa are about to arrive, or what, whatever your family tradition was. And, and the anticipation is building because you know See, you know Christmas is coming. You know it's going to be there in a few days. You can, you can look on the calendar and see the date circled of that 25, December 25th. There is this excitement that wells up within you. There is this expectation that wells up within you. And you are absolutely confident that that day is going to come and that it's going to be glorious. You remember those days? I do. I remember those days. And that's what this word hope, at least from a biblical standpoint, means. That we are so confident in our Jesus. We are so settled in his promises we are so firmly established in our faith in him that life is lived with that kind of expectation and anticipation every single day. That's hope. You know 
that Jesus is real. You, you plan for His return. You're, you're expecting Him to move. You know He answers prayer. You know He's present with us. And you live your life with so much excitement about that that you cannot not tell others about it. This series, Know What You Believe, that we've spent the last 16 weeks, that's four months we've been working our way through this series on the basics of our Christian faith according to the framework of the Apostles' Creed. As we wrap that series up today, I want to remind you, I've told you this before, but I, I want to remind you why, as a pastor, I have been so passionate about conveying this information to you. There's really three reasons, and we've talked about them along the way. <clears throat> the first one is that so many Christians today um, espouse things that they say they believe, and yet, um, when they're pressed, they have no idea where those things come from. They're, um, they're regurgitating stuff they've heard. There's really no foundation to it. And that's really sad, but that, that describes a lot of people in the North American church today, that, that they will stand firm and they will articulate things, but they have no idea where they come from. I don't want that to be true of Palmwood Church. I want this church family to know what they believe and go, be able to go to the scriptures and point out where it comes from. Second thing is, is that many Christians really do believe the basics of the faith. It's, it's genuine. It's, it's authentic. They really do believe it. But they can't tell you why those things are true. They can't tell you why they believe those things. Well, that's almost as bad as the first point. I don't want that to be true of the Palmwood Church family. If you're a part of our church family, as the pastor, I really want you to know why you believe the things you believe. It's really important because it gets to the foundation we're talking about today. The third thing is, and this really gets to our message today about hope, many Christians living today in these crazy days, and they are really strange days that we're living in right now in America, they're living without the real, unshakable foundation of hope that every believer should have in their lives. They don't have that foundation of faith. They have a form of religion, and it's not serving them well. How many people, let's be honest, I'm going to talk about folks here in the room, how many of us know people right now that are living in fear in these days? They're actually living by fear. Yeah. Um, fear of a virus. Am I going to catch it? What's it going to do to me? Am I going to die from it? Uh, fear of, of the unrest that's in our nation right now, uh, fear of, of saying the wrong thing and offending somebody on Facebook or Twitter or in conversation, uh, fear of the next election and, and who's going to be elected to Congress and the Senate and what's going to happen to the courts and what's going to happen in our nation. Fear, 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 fear. And we're talking about believers. But as we've seen over the last four months in this series Friends, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I have an incredible reason for hope, for anticipation, excitement, expectancy in Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray together.
Father, pour out your anointing by your Holy Spirit today as we come to the preaching of your word. Anoint me as your servant that uh, I will be clear, I can be understood, that your word will go forth and not return back void, but will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. And may your anointing be on the hearers, both those that are physically present in the room and those that are watching online and those that will watch the recording later on, that they will be able to fully understand and apply what they learned today. Show us that sure foundation that we already have in Jesus Christ, we pray. Make this teaching as we wrap up this series together clear. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You want to know a secret? What you believe is going to directly influence how you live your life. That is true for every single human being on the face of the earth. What you believe is going to influence how you live your life. Did you know that? Did you realize it? If, if you believe, for example, that the coronavirus is unstoppable, then you are going to live in fear and you're going to spend the remainder of your days sequestered in your home with everything sealed up and sanitized except for when you have to go to the doctor or go to the grocery. And even then, you're going to wipe down with sanitizer for every breath that you take. That is no way to live, living in fear. And yet, people all over our nation, all around our world right now, are stuck in this exact pattern as we speak. We all know people that are living like that. But friends, if you have strong faith in our triune God with immovable convictions on all these doctrinal things that we have laid as a foundation over the last four months, you can live smartly. We have to be smart. There's no doubt about that. But confidently. And your impact on others will be a kingdom impact. You see, those who are living in fear, in fear of coronavirus, in, in bondage to, to political stuff, or, or in, in an addiction of, of the news cycle, or whatever their specific drug of choice is, these people will see real hope and confidence in you the way that you are living, if you're living on this foundation, and they're going to ask you how you can live that way. It's going to be a night and day difference to them, and they're going to see it. They're going to ask you why. When you and I understand the essentials of our Christian faith, and we base our whole existence upon those things that we've talked about over the last 16 weeks, we can live with hope and with confidence. I'm telling you, it's the foundation of our faith that makes a difference. Our hope is one of the greatest witnesses for the reality of God that we've got, and we need to put it on display. So let's talk about this foundation of our faith. 
the foundation of our faith, makes all of us of one mind. I don't know if you've realized how splintered our world has become over the last six months. How divided we are on everything. I mean, I, I'm expecting that there's going to be a debate on the news about the, the difference between skim milk and 2%. I mean, everything, every opinion now is charged for argument. We are a divided nation. But you see, this is the amazing thing. Peter tells us, living out our faith this way, living toward the hope we're going to talk about today in today's message, it draws us together in unity of one mind. The Holy Spirit takes people from very different backgrounds and experiences. The Holy Spirit takes people who are of different skin colors, different ethnicities, different ethno uh, socioeconomic uh, backgrounds, different languages, different cultures, different sides of the tracks, whatever. And in Jesus makes us one. You see, the church is God's instrument in these days to bring peace back to our world. The church gathered together around a common foundation of faith in Jesus and the strength of our hope put on display is what will draw the nation together, will draw the world together in Christ. We have the same foundation, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When God is our common Father and Jesus is our common Savior and the Bible is our, our common instruction and the mission of Jesus is our common context, we are of one mind on everything that is essential. Yes, we will have differences of opinion on the non-essentials. And friends, that should not threaten us. That is what brings to us the beautiful diversity that God has created into his creation. We don't all look alike. We don't all think alike. That's beautiful. But on the essentials, we are of one mind. We are of one conviction, of one heart. And the foundation of our faith helps us to literally carry that out. The things that that we have said over the last 16 weeks that are non-negotiable draw us together. All of the debate and the upheaval that we see all over the world and especially right now in our America can be brought into alignment with our Father when we all surrender to Jesus. That's the key. Second thing that we learn from Peter is that the foundation of our faith makes us compassionate toward one another, which is exactly the opposite of what we're really seeing right now. The, the snarkiness and the backbiting that we see all over can be addressed in Jesus, friends. When we understand our faith and how all of us are in the same position before God, needing forgiveness, we stop seeing each other as rivals and enemies. We start seeing each other with the eyes and the heart of Jesus. We begin to sympathize with one another. We start recognizing each other's troubles and needs, and it moves us for genuine compassion toward one another. This is not a mandated welfare program. 
This is an authentic response of the collective heart surrendered to King Jesus. Third, the foundation of faith makes us truly love one another. You know, Peter's words there in verse 8 of our scripture passage today remind me immediately of the words of our Savior Jesus himself. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. They're probably familiar to you if you know the story. Jesus says, so I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The more we understand what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, the more we will respond in love toward one another. The Apostle John says that we love each other because God first loved us. 1 John 4.19 When Christ's love invades our souls, we begin to respond to those around us in love rather than in various forms of hatred. Jesus' love itself breaks everything that is against love in us so that his love flows through us. Fourth, the foundation of our faith makes us tender-hearted. Oh my goodness, if there was anything that our nation needs right now, it is a tender heart. It is a tender heart growing in our understanding of our faith, knowing, listen, knowing how much it cost our Heavenly Father to save us from sin and death. It, it makes us kind and benevolent toward one another because we're all in the same condition before God. The foundation of our faith helps keep a humble attitude. Oh, once again, what does our nation need, right? It needs humility. Where's the humility? You watch the news? Where's the humility today? In our leaders, in our newscasters, in, in the public sector, in our sports folks. I, there is no humility in our nation today. It boggles my mind. America could use a good dose of real humility today. Our humility in Christ has got to be real. It's got to be authentic. It must be genuine. It is modeled after the humility of Jesus himself. And for this, I would turn you to Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Listen to what he says about Jesus' humility and how it should impact us. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, 
he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. How many times is some form of the word humble used of our Lord Jesus in this passage? And Paul begins by saying, our attitude needs to be, be the same as his. Humility. The foundation of our faith helps us avoid evil retaliation. Verses 9 through 12. You know, whether it's in person, um, or it's on social media, for example, on television, on radio, whatever, whatever the context is, we no longer have to choose to retaliate. We take no personal vengeance, says Peter, no evil for evil. Those days are gone. It's not a part of who we are anymore. We don't do that. We do not insult people. Not insult for insult. That's not who we are anymore. It's, it's that those days are gone. They're over. We don't do that as followers of Jesus. We're on a different foundation. We're citizens of a different kingdom. We find ways to speak blessings and to be a blessing even to those who are being snarky back to us. We do not speak evil or lie. Those days are gone. We become instruments of peace to this world. We have confidence that God is watching over us. Can you imagine? Oh my goodness. Can you imagine a world where these things are true? Can you imagine what that, what that would be like? They are only reality in people who have a strong and hope-filled foundation for their faith because of Jesus Christ the Messiah. You and I, friends, who are believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, standing on the firm foundation of the things that we've talked about in this series, we are the ones for whom that is a reality. Therefore, we are the ones that have to propagate that in the world. It's not just going to happen. We have to invest it into other people. So when we face trying days like we're facing right now as a nation, in our world, a strong foundation of faith gives us a steadfast hope. Read that. Expectation, anticipation, even excitement. And it changes the way that we live with and we relate to those people who are all around us, no matter who they are. The Christian hope shines particularly bright in days like this, in days of testing, in days of unsurety, in, in days of trial and of suffering. And that's exactly where Peter goes with the rest of this passage. Let me read to you again the second half of today's scripture reading from verses 13 through 17. In the context of what we've said now about this lifestyle that we live because of our hope foundation, listen to what Peter says. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about the hope as a believer, your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Jesus Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. As we transition into the second half of this passage, 
by the Apostle Peter, he begins by asking a really important question. Who will harm you if you are intent on doing good? Now, while there are really evil people in this world, and we, we realize that, who vehemently oppose anything and anyone that, that looks like Jesus, in reality, there are really only two kinds of people who have to regularly worry about being targeted by the world. <clears throat> the first are those who do bad things and hurt people. They're not going to be liked by anybody. They, they are already setting themselves aside <clears throat> as targets for uh, people to, to hate and, and to come against. And they won't get away with their stuff for very long. But the second group, and this is the one that I really want to make sure we understand, are those who hypocritically call out the evil in other people. They are very quick to tell people how to live, but they don't live that way themselves. And friends, this includes hyper-religious people in the church. You know some of them. I know some of them. There are people that are very religious, and boy, they really know all the rules, and, and they, they're quick to, to point them out to people, but their lives are not bearing any fruit, really, for the kingdom. Those are also people that are going to be targeted for their hypocrisy. <clears throat> but Peter here is reflecting on the whole lifestyle that he has just described, the first part of our message this morning. If we live like that, with that kind of humility, with that kind of grace, with, with that kind of love, it would be extremely rare, even for evil people, to make us a target. Now, Peter acknowledges that there is evil in this world. There are some who may make us suffer. He says, yeah, that, that's true. There are those who might threaten us. But the bottom line is, if we've got that firm foundation, if we have that hope, that expectancy, that anticipation. We do not need to be afraid of those people. Christians do not need to live their lives in fear. Let me say that again. Christians do not need to live their lives in fear. We can know that God is watching over us. We can also know, according to Peter, that he's going to reward us if we have to endure that stuff from the hands of evil people. Peter reminds us of our foundation, verses 14 and 15. Here we are. Please hear this. Instead of worry or fear, Peter tells us, we must worship Christ as the Lord of our lives. Every time, friends, that you hear something on TV or on the radio or see something in our community or hear about a rise in the number of, of COVID-19 tests that are coming back positive or whatever, when you feel fear welling up within you, at that very moment, choose to worship Jesus Christ as Lord. Worship is the eradicator of fear. This assumes that we have the faith foundation that we've detailed over the last 16 weeks. We have an unshakable 
foundation. This assumes that we're living the lifestyle that we've just discussed, one of genuine unity of mind, of compassion, of love, of a tender heart, and absolutely no retaliation in our relationships. Instead of worry or fear, we worship and we give King Jesus the reverence, the adoration, and the glory that he deserves. We do this because he is our Lord. Now, this idea of Lord is, is a twofold thing, and we've got to understand both sides of this coin. The first is that he is master. In other words, he's the one that gives us our marching orders. He gives us our instructions, and he holds us accountable for fulfilling them. But the flip side of that is also true. He is our shepherd. See? He's not just the Lord. He's also the shepherd who cares for us, who nurtures us. Hear me? Who protects us. That's the role of the shepherd. What did Jesus say about himself? I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Peter tells us to always be ready to explain the hope we have in Christ. And here is the heart of our message today. I'm going to tell you something. If no one has ever asked you about your Christian hope, if no one's ever asked you to explain your lack of fear or your hope in Jesus Christ, there's a problem. You're not living loud enough for Jesus. It may be that it's not evident. It may be that you're just choosing not to show it. But especially in our world right now, here in 2020, hope... This hope that we're talking about is, is so unusual. People will respond to it. I'm telling you, people will respond to it every single time they see it. Just this last week, if I want to give just by way of example, I was up at the hospital doing some ministry, and I was talking with one of the people there at the hospital because here in our city of Oviedo, at that point, um, COVID-19 positive tests were on the rise. Hospitalizations are going up in Seminole County a little bit. And this person was, was reacting to all this news in fear. And they asked me, you know, you, you know, aren't you afraid of all this? And I said very plainly, no, I'm not. And they couldn't believe it. And the question, just like we're seeing here in this passage, the question came across their lips. Why are you not afraid? of the COVID-19 virus. And I was able to give them a description of the foundation of hope and of confidence that I have in Jesus Christ. And it ministered to them in a moment of their fear. Friends, I'm, I gotta tell you, over the last two weeks, I've had numerous of those opportunities in different contexts. Because when we live with hope in this fear-filled world right now, people stand up and take notice. And Peter tells us we have to be ready to give a reason for the hope. We have to be ready to give a reason for the expectation, the confidence that we have in Jesus Christ. There are all kinds of people who are living in all kinds of fear right now because they don't have the alternative that you and I have. And they're looking at the church, and unfortunately, i got to tell you, Christians across this city are not putting this hope on display like they should. There are people all around us in Aveto and in Seminole County 
around wherever you happen to be right now, if you're watching online, that are desperate for that unshakable foundation right now, and it is the church who owns it because of their faith in Jesus Christ. If we don't give, if we don't pass that hope on, if we don't give a reason, for, an explanation for our hope, the world is never going to know about it. We've got to put it on display. Oh, friends, if, if you believe that the things that we've unpacked over the last 16 weeks are true, if you've done more than just give me a verbal amen as I've preached, but you really believe those things that we have said, and if you will grow into this glorious lifestyle that we've just described, and it takes time, it doesn't happen overnight, but in the first part of this message, I'm telling you, I promise you, you will be a shining hope everywhere you go, and people are going to ask you, about it. You need to be ready to tell them why you're hopeful because of Jesus. You need to be ready to tell them about your faith foundation and how it has made you confident and unshakable in Jesus, regardless of today's circumstances. Peter instructs us how we are to explain our hope. I love this. I love the sweet spirit with which Peter conveys this here. And it's perfectly in line with the lifestyle that we've already detailed. When you're talking about your faith foundation to people, particularly people that aren't Christians, when you're talking about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, here's the instructions Peter gives us. The first thing he says is be gentle. Be kind. Don't, don't be snarky. You know, one of the things that breaks my heart is the number of people, particularly on social media today, that are almost mean about their faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, there is no place for that in the kingdom of God. None. If you have a, pol a particular political bent because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to share that with gentleness, not with a biting comment. He says, be gentle. Be respectful. Listen, please hear me on this. It is not your job to prove the other person wrong. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to convict them. You're only to be a witness and explain your hope. This is about answering the question they ask about your hope. This can never be successfully done in a disrespectful way. We need to respect them. They, they, may, they may be worshiping a false god. They may be completely wrong in their view. That might be true. It's not your job to change their mind. It's the Holy Spirit's job to work on them. You simply answer the question about your hope. You tell them the truth. You show them the foundation and let the Holy Spirit bring their heart to where they can believe it. None of us can change a person's heart. Peter says we're supposed to keep a clear conscience. We should never walk away from any one of those hope slash faith conversations and feel badly about how we just treated somebody. You know, Paul tells us there's three big things, the, the triad of our faith, the faith, hope, and love. He talks about that in, in his letter to the Corinthians. Faith and hope must always be communicated in love. That's the way it works. We treat people with love. Such an explanation will be convicting to them. 
because that's the job of the Holy Spirit. You begin to talk to them about the foundation of your faith, and if they are not aligned with it, they're going to feel out of alignment. They're going to feel it. The Holy Spirit's going to convict them. That's the way this works. You don't have to make that happen. The Holy Spirit will, will do that. And when that happens, people are going to be moved in one of two directions. This is the way it all works. Just be ready for it. It's, it's not a problem for you. It just is something we need to be uh, aware of. And that is that some of them, when they are convicted that they are out of alignment with Jesus, when they are convicted that they don't have the hope that you have, when they are convicted that they don't believe the truths that are your foundation, they're going to react to it. It might be a, a bad reaction. So be it. You don't have to worry about that. It says far more about them and where they are right now than where you are. But just as many, if not more, by the priming of the Holy Spirit, are going to be wooed toward Jesus. Your answer is going to move them closer to Christ. He might even give you the blessed opportunity to pray with them for conversion to become a Christian. All because you put your hope on display. Finally, Peter explains... We might suffer even for doing good. It might happen, and that's okay. Because he says God will reward us, verse 14, and that we must simply turn and worship Jesus, verse 15. Friends, do you see how everything we've been studying for these past four months builds a strong foundation for our Christian faith? And can you see how that faith foundation, when it is absolutely unshakable, gives us hope, an immovable, an unshakable hope in Jesus Christ? You can have this hope. You, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, have a great reason for this real hope. You and I, if we are in Christ, we are all united of one heart and one mind in Jesus. We are together compassionate, tender-hearted. We truly love one another and that puts on display to the whole world that we belong to Jesus. We collectively, we remain humble. We always have a godly response to the evil around us, even if it's pointed at us. We learn how to put our hope on display, even in the worst of circumstances, and it becomes at least part perhaps the greatest part of our witness. We gently and respectfully explain why we are so hopeful, realizing that the, the result, the reaction of the person that we're talking to is not our responsibility, but is God's. It'll either woo people to Jesus because of our hope, or it'll make them matter and they will walk away. But even if we suffer for doing good, we continue to worship Jesus as Lord, and we seek our comfort, and our reward from our Father. Can you agree with me that the essentials that we have learned over the last four months about our Christian faith give us a wonderful reason to have a real, unshakable hope and expectation, both in the Lord and in his promises? Hope for the future? Amen. Hope for fruit of our ministry. Let's pray together.
Father, this hope is not something that we can manufacture. Speaking for myself, it is something that I want, I desire to have 24-7. I expect that's probably true of the whole Palmwood family. And so, Lord, we come before you and we ask, Holy Spirit, please make that so. Give us that firm foundation so that we can have the godly response to everything around us. Give us that incredible hope so that we do not live in fear, but we choose every moment of every day to turn and surrender to Jesus in reverence, adoration, and glory of worship because he's Lord. Help us to remember that he's not just the master giving us our instructions and holding us accountable, but he is also the shepherd, the one who protects and nurtures us in this present evil world. Remind us that there is evil around us, and sometimes it will be pointed at us, but that's okay because you are our provider and our protector, and you will reward us for what we have to endure. Father, we pray, make this passage from the Apostle Peter today our reality in the midst of the upheaval in our nation and the fear over COVID-19 and unite your church. Make us one, Jesus. Make us one. In your name and to your glory. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Palmwood Podcast. If you'd like more information about Palmwood Church and its ministry, see our website at palmwoodchurch.com. Have a blessed day.